Now, we started a few weeks ago uh, a study called Empowered, Empowered, and we're looking at what it means to experience the Spirit-filled life, the Spirit-filled life. Now, <clears throat> this past week, I received an email from a, uh, a young man. He was a former student of uh, Sue's and, and mine um, with uh, YWAM in, in Taiwan. And um, he's now enrolled in a Bible college in another place. I won't tell you where, because you might be able to figure out who I'm talking about, and that wouldn't be important. But <clears throat> he, is, uh, he wrote me to say, Randy, I'm, I'm in this uh, very solid, biblical environment where I'm surrounded every day by... Um, you know, very smart, intelligent uh, theologians, and and uh, they they know the Bible inside out, and and it's all good, except there's no power. We know a lot of stuff down here about God and about His Word, and we can go to toe to toe with anybody and debate it all, and but there's no power. Please pray for me. I don't know what to do. I long for that experience with God where his word becomes alive because of the, the displays of his power in my life and in our world. I long for that. I know what that's like. Because I was a, a teenager, my, around 16 years of age, and I had been a Christian for a long time. Thank God I was uh, born into a family that made sure I went to church and that the church of my childhood was much like this Bible college that my f young friend uh, is attending in that they were solidly biblical. And I thank God for that. My, my uh, saturation in the Word of God at a young age and learning how to memorize it and understanding it was, has been paramount to so much of what's happened in my life. I'm so grateful for that. This is not a knock on anybody. But when I reached my, my teens... I had to be honest with something because I was reading in the book of Acts and thinking for the really the first time, you know what, the, the kind of Christianity I see lived out on the pages of this book that God gave us to show us what the Christian life is supposed to be like when it's lived out in community with the church of Jesus Christ in this world, my life does not look like this. My Christian experience is so anemic compared to what I read about. These people had it going on. And I want that. And I began to hunger for that and ask the Lord about it. I didn't really have anyone to turn to except God. Of course, that's probably the best thing to do in that situation. And his word. And so I began a journey to try to figure out why it was that there was this mismatch I had all this Bible knowledge, but I wasn't experiencing the power. And, and so that led me on a journey to where I came to understand that Jesus was serious. When in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 it says this, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We've talked about this verse several times over the last few weeks, so I'm not going to go into great detail. But he was serious when he said, you'll receive power 
when the Bible is finished. No, that's not what he said. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Don't misunderstand me. I'm a Bible guy. Don't even get me started on the value of the Holy Scriptures. But Jesus said you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So over the last few weeks, we've been talking about what that means, the power source. And I want today to kind of... shift gears a little bit or move forward a little bit and begin to talk to you about the gifts of the Holy Spirit because once we come to faith in Christ and have this experience of the Holy Spirit not, not only residing with me as the agent of salvation but overflowing my life, he wants to start to dispense through me gifts, amazing, miraculous, powerful Uh, empowerings by his spirit that change things that impact lives in a very powerful way and in first corinthians chapter 12 we have these gifts identified there's nine of them the gift of tongues or as i like to refer to it and will this morning the language of the heart interpretation of tongues prophecy Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, faith, miracles, healings. These gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to dispense, he is waiting for for a people who will say, use us, Lord, use us. A couple of weeks ago, I was praying for a woman in in the church and just asking, you know, the Lord, how should I pray for her? And the Lord dropped this name, a proper name, a person's name into my mind. I've come to understand that this is one of the things that the, the, one of the triggers the Lord has for me with regard to offering or dispensing or giving out a word of knowledge. That the Lord will, I'm not saying everybody would do this, but this is how he works with me. And I, I wasn't looking for it, but boom, there's this name in my mind. So I say to her, I say, does the name Sherry mean anything to you? Complete blank. She says, nope. I said, you don't know any Sherry's? Nope. Oh, well then, let's move on. Can I just pray for you about something else, right? Well, she comes back to me a week later and she says, Randy, I, I don't know why I was, just drew a blank. I, let me tell you this story. She said, I have been, I have been wrestling with my future. I'm at a crossroads where I'm, I need to kind of get settled. Where am I going with my future? And one of the things that I felt like the Lord may have been saying to me is that I'm, I'm to pursue a career as a social worker working with children. But the, I, kept try, I kept backing away from that and kept thinking, no, I, I can't do that. I'm not, the educational pursuit that that would be required is over my, you know, it's beyond me. I, and I kept trying to find something else that the Lord might be <laughs> kind of directing me towards. And she said, when you said that to me, I re- after you know, I got home and thought about it, I, I realized I do know a Sherry, and she's a social worker who works with children. And I know God is speaking to me and confirming the direction of my life. See, that was helpful to that woman immensely. It was a gift of one of these gifts that the Lord wants to dispense through us, a word of knowledge, a little piece about what God knows that I wouldn't have or you wouldn't have any other way of knowing. These things make a difference. 
And we want to be available to them. We want the Lord to, to be able to cause our experience with him to look more like the book of Acts, wouldn't you say? So anyway, today we're going to begin to talk about those nine gifts of the Spirit by looking at the book of Acts as the, uh, the uh, evidence or the uh, you know, example of what that's like. Now, I have just arbitrarily divided up these nine, spirit, nine gifts of the Spirit into three categories. Uh, the power to communicate, which we're going to begin today. Tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy. Uh, the power to understand, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. And the power to change things, faith, miracles, and healings. And we're going to take our time and get through them all because these, this subject is worth giving some time to. So we're not going to rush it. Today we're going to deal with the subject of speaking in tongues. Now let me just get this out of the way right up front. I speak in tongues. I know. Let's all just groan together. Let's all just gasp together. <gasps> all right. <clears throat> Pastor, do you also handle rattlesnakes and roll on the carpet and swing from the chandeliers and bark like a dog? No, I don't. Rest assured. But I have found that, that uh, this experience that I believe in, I'll tell you why, that I believe God wants for every spirit-filled believer to have and to experience is so valuable and so precious to me. I can't even imagine my uh, devotional or intercessory life without it. So that's what we'll be talking about. Not my experience, but I will be telling you a little bit about my experience too. So that brings me to why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about this? Number one, because God associated the gift of tongues, the, the um, expression of the language of the heart. He, God, associated that gift with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He did that. I didn't do it. Pentecostals didn't do that. God did that. Read with me. Chapter 2, Acts, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. God did this. They weren't planning on it. They weren't expecting it. God did this. So you have to begin to ask yourself, if Jesus said to his disciples, guys, don't even leave town. Don't begin to even attempt to live the life that I have called you to live in, in terms of relating to me and in, uh, and in serving me. Don't even begin to, to launch out into that without ex receiving the coming upon of the Holy Spirit. And then when he pours out his spirit upon them, causes them to have this experience of speaking in tongues. If God does that, you have to pay attention to that. God put those two things together. Now, maybe you say, well, that was just a one-time deal, and okay, you're welcome to your, your opinion. And by the way, let me just tell you, you don't have to agree with the things I tell you today or any time. I'm just going to tell you what I believe in. Why? The rest is up to you, okay? Everybody breathe a sigh of relief, okay? 
You have to ask yourself that, I think, though, no matter what. You have to have an answer for that. Why did God put that together? Second of all, at the end of chapter 2, or towards the end in chapter 2, verse 9, read this. This is Peter. You know, he, when, when they have this experience that we read about in the first four verses of chapter 2, it, we talked about this last week. They're in the city of Jerusalem. They're in an upper room. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. The city is bulging with, with pilgrims from all over the world, Hebrew pilgrims that are there to celebrate Pentecost. There's such a racket going on in that upper room that the people can't, can't escape the curiosity that they have about that. And they're hearing these simple Galilean fishermen speaking in languages that they've never learned and the crowd is scratching their head thinking, what is this about? They come up with this idea, well, they're just drunk. Peter stands up and he says, no, 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 come on, it's nine o'clock in the morning, we're not drunk, let me tell you what's going on. And he preaches his first sermon. At the end of that sermon we talked about last week, the people who heard him, their hearts were, were impacted in such a deep way. They said, How, what do we do? How do we respond to this? And as part of that, Peter says in verse 39, for this, the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, even as, uh, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, when he says this promise is not just for us, this is for you, for your kids, for everyone who will follow you in faith. When he said that, the word promise obviously has to do with the filling or the overflow of the Holy Spirit, but it also must, uh, in my opinion, it must also have to do with speaking in tongues because that was the starting place of this, of this message. That's what the people were asking about, what's going on. And Peter says this promise. And when he does that, I think he's talking about both things. If that weren't enough, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, I'll have you turn there in a minute, but not just now. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5, the Apostle Paul, get this, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, included in the canon of the Word of God, Paul says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Now, he didn't mean, he didn't, you, you can clearly, in my opinion, you can't read it like, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but of course, most of you won't. That's not how it was given. I wish you all spoke in tongues. And get this, he's talking to, he's writing a letter to the church in Corinth, who, these people had just let tongues run away with them. I mean, they were just, you know, over the top with this. And, and Paul was writing them specifically to kind of rein all of that in and say, hey guys, there's some things that are more important than speaking in tongues, prophecy, some other things, okay? Let's kind of tone it down. That's the, what he's trying to do with, with but and if it was me and I'm writing this letter, I'd be saying, guys, would you shut up for a while? Come on, stop this. Not Paul. He pours gasoline on the fire and says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Why? Why did God include that in the Bible? You've got to ask yourself that question. And then if that weren't enough, you just make your way through the book of Acts and watch this unfold. The apostles in chapter 2, we read it. They, they had come to faith in Christ. When Jesus uh, appeared before them, resurrected uh, from the dead, and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. About 50 days later, they have this experience we read about, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, they speak in tongues. Then in Acts chapter 8, Philip goes down to Samaria, preaches the gospel. People 
come to faith in Christ. And then some of the apostles come down following Philip specifically to make sure that the Samaritans had also experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it says that when they laid hands on them and prayed over them, that it does not say they spoke in tongues, but it does make clear that something dramatic and something observable happened because there was a guy there, a magician named Simon, who said, man, I want to be able to buy the power to do that to people. So you know they weren't just standing there like, you know, Stone. Something was happening. I think you're going to figure out that it's very likely that what was happening is that they were speaking in tongues because in Acts chapter 9, next chapter over, this guy named Saul, who was an enemy of the church, on his way to Damascus in, in Syria to imprison believers, has this encounter with Jesus Christ that changes his life, and he comes to faith when he says, Lord. The Bible says no one can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He had a conversion experience. And then, while he was waiting in Damascus, blinded by that experience, the Lord sent a guy named Ananias specifically to pray for Paul that he would be also filled with the Holy Spirit. We are not told that he spoke in tongues on that, at that moment, but in 1 Corinthians, when Peter's writing his letter, he says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. So we know at least at some point, he began to speak in tongues. Then, in chapter 10, the next chapter, we're just making our way through the book of Acts. This is what I did as a 16-year-old kid. Chapter 10, there's Cornelius, guy hungry for Jesus. He's not a Hebrew, he's a Roman. Peter comes to his house, preaches the gospel. Cornelius is converted in his whole household. And it says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues. Acts chapter 19 Paul comes to the city of Ephesus and he finds some believers there and he says, hey, thank God that you have come to faith in Christ, but have you received the fullness of the Holy Spirit? And they say, well, we don't even know about the Holy Spirit. So he tells them, he teaches them, prays for them to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and says they spoke in tongues. You have to at least consider that this may have been the pattern and expectation of the early church. That's what I came to, 16-year-old kid reading the Bible to say, God, where, what am I missing here? And I had to come to terms with, wow, maybe there's a plan here. Maybe the reason I have all this Bible knowledge and, and no power is because I have the Holy Spirit. He is the agent of salvation. I am saved and the Holy Spirit resides with me and, within me. But maybe... He needs to be unleashed from within me. Come upon me, overflow me, like Jesus said. Out of your innermost being will flow. After, you have, after you've come to me to drink, so the thirst could be satisfied, then out of, your, out of your innermost being will flow a river of living water. Maybe that's what I'm missing. And maybe part of that is the beginning place of the release of the gifts of spirit in my life through the gift of tongues. What is its value? The gift of tongues, why is it valuable? Well, in Jude chapter 20, and by the way, now you could turn to 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. In Jude chapter 20 and verse 21, it says that we are to build ourselves up in our holy faith, praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit. And then, I'm going to ask you to look with me at 
chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, verse 4. It says this. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. That word edify is the same thing. Builds them up. They build themselves up. He who speaks in a tongue edifies, builds himself up. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Now I've had, I don't get this, but I've had people say to me, well, Randy, clearly is saying that, you know, you don't want to bother with tongues. Prophecy is what we need. You know, I would agree with you that prophecy is a very, 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 very important gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul says you can all prophesy, says so just do it in an orderly fashion. The Bible's clear about that. God wants to speak to us. He wants to use us to do it. I'm on the page with you, same page with you. But don't neglect what it says here. I wish, or excuse me, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. That ain't bad. That's a good thing. I want to be um, always in a process of being strengthened in my spirit, being built up, that the plans and purposes of God for my life will become more uh, solid, more firm, more established in me. He says that happens when I'm praying in the spirit in both of those passages that I, I shared with you. But even more than that, in my opinion, why this is important is because it is Holy Spirit enhanced communication with God. Now I know that there's a lot of goofy things that people say about this stuff and that's part of the reason why the enemy I think is rejoices in the fact that we have by and large a powerless church because people are afraid of the Spirit and afraid of the gifts of the Spirit and that just ticks me off in the worst way. But I get it because a lot of weird things happen in the name of the Holy Spirit and people don't often, um, aren't often careful with what the scripture has to say. There are people who will say that, well, tongues is like, it's like a, a, a secret language. You know, the devil can't listen in on you when you're talking to God in tongues. And that's why it's so, come on, really? That's the best you got? That's just silly. But what tongues does, what the language of the heart really does, expands my ability to intercede, uh, praying for others, to be able to talk to God myself, to be able to worship him beyond the constriction of my intellect and the smallness of my vocabulary. Think about how this works. When I want to talk to Mandy here, I, I have something in my heart I want to get across to you, right? Something inside of me that I, I'm feeling or uh, want to express to you in some way. So what I do is I take that feeling and then I start going through the catalog of my vocabulary, my English vocabulary, try to find words that, that would sort of express what I'm feeling, and then I speak them to you, and because we both have the same you know, vocabulary to work with, we can almost communicate, <laughs> right? But you've all had the experience where you just didn't know what to say. You ever... You know, husbands, you ever got that blank card that you're supposed to give to your wife and you... <sighs> I don't know what the... It's hard, right? 
And I don't care what language you speak. They're all insufficient. They cannot capture all that's in my heart to say. And heaven knows we've all had the other experience too where we say it and it will be misunderstood or taken in the wrong way, right? I mean, language is fantastic, but it is limited. And I believe that the reason that God associated the gift of tongues with the outpouring of his Holy Spirit is so that from the get-go, we could have a way to be able to communicate with him deeper than that. Let me try to illustrate it this way. I have stuff I want to say to God, stuff about you, things that you're going through that I, I want to I ask God about for you, things I want to express of my love and devotion and gratitude. My heart is full of stuff I want to communicate with God. This is how we normally do it. I take those feelings and I, I wrap them around language. It's a picture of a dictionary in case you can't see it that, that approximates what I'm feeling in my heart. Then I speak those words to God. And it works pretty good. But there are times, as we all just acknowledged a minute ago, that it is insufficient. There's a bottleneck in this process. It is my vocabulary, my intellect, my dictionary. It's only so big. I have to take all that's in my heart and squeeze it down into this very insufficient means of communicating with God. But what if, what if I could remove that bottleneck and I could just take my heart and express it to God without having to constrain it in that way. That's what tongues does. That's what the language of the heart is all about. So that when I have prayed for you what I know and I've prayed for you what I sense, I don't have to stop there. Christine, I can pray for you in the spirit too. And the Holy Spirit who resides in me and has perfect understanding of God's will for you, your needs, can begin to just run with it. I'm still involved. It's my lips. It's my lungs that are filled with air that the, the, and that air is flowing over my vocal cords. I'm engaged, but I'm not constraining or restricting the flow of that communication by the smallness of my intellect or my vocabulary. To me, the value of that is immense. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Dear God, there are times when that is a marvelous thing. Verse 15, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen? In other words, if somebody happened to be listening to you, how are they going to be able to agree with what you're saying? If it's always in tongues, that would be silly. He says, I do both. Um, at your, he says, how will they be able to say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say? For indeed, you give thanks well. But the other's not edified. The other's not built up. It's a 
personally, you're experiencing something that's wonderful, but it's not, um, uh, if that's all you do, then there's a problem. I thank God. I thank my God, verse 18. I speak with tongues more than you all. So both praise and prayer, pray in the spirit, pray with the understanding. That's why this is valuable to me. Um, All right, how can I experience it? How can I experience it? That was my question. Okay, Jesus. I... I want this, you know, I want the power of the Holy Spirit that I see lived out in the pages of, of uh, the book of Acts. I want that experience. And I've come to understand that the fullness of your spirit, by the way, as I was making this journey as a teenager, I had an experience that I know now. I didn't know at the time because I didn't have the, the doctrinal or theological framework to, to deal with it. But I had an experience with the Holy Spirit that changed my life forever. I came, I had that overflowing. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I still had not yet spoken in tongues. And I didn't know anybody who did. And I had been raised from my infancy to believe that people who spoke in tongues were from the devil. That's how I've been taught. And so I had some stuff I had to overcome intellectually to even get to the place where I was open to it, right? But I started to say, Jesus... I can't avoid this, and I don't want to. How do I do this? How do I experience it? All right, number one, you have to trust that Jesus desires this for you. If you've not reached that place, if you're not sure, and you think, maybe you're thinking, well, this is just all of the devil. You know, these are people just, you know, their emotions have run amok and all that. Okay, fine. You're, you're entitled to, definitely entitled to that opinion, and no around, nobody around here is going to, going to have a problem with you believing what you believe. But if you want to experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, or any of the other gifts of the Spirit, you're going to have to come to a place where you trust that Jesus desires this for you. That is going to have to get settled in you. And when it does, then you need to understand that speaking in tongues or cooperating with any of the gifts of the Spirit is a partnership, a partnership. You see, I, like I said, I didn't know anything about this. I didn't have anybody to ask about this. One day I just said, okay, God, I'm convinced this is what you want me to have. Jesus, I believe that this is something you want me to experience. So here I go. (laughs) And nothing, nothing. I, I, I figured, well, you know, uh, God is just going to grab my tongue you know, or something. I don't know. So I was a little disappointed. I went back to the drawing board, which is probably a good thing to do. I went back and started to read the scriptures again. And that's where in chapter 2 of Acts, verse 4, I read again for the hundredth time, they began to speak and the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit gave them the words, the sounds. They gave the vocalization. They began to speak. And that's when I realized, wait a minute. This isn't like, you know, God is just going to get a hold of me and, you know, I'm going to be a participant here. There's faith involved, just like in everything that I do with my my walk with Jesus. And so you're going to have to understand that this is a partnership vocalize what you're given. 
It's a step of faith for sure. That first sound that crosses my lips is a huge step of faith. But I have to trust that. Get, remember this, okay? Peter, remember Peter? Who can forget him, right? He's in a boat with the other disciples. They're out on the Sea of Galilee. It's storming like crazy. They think they're going to drown. Jesus comes walking on the water. Peter says, Jesus, if that's you, call me out to you on the water. Jesus says, come on. I get this. The guy steps out of the boat. <laughs> I mean, put yourself in, those, in his shoes. He steps out in the I don't know what he's thinking, but he steps out of the boat and he starts to walk on the water <laughs> until he says, I, I can't do this. This isn't natural. I'm not supposed to be able to do this. And then he begins to sink, right? Press through the intellectual bottleneck. Some of us have one of those. Some of us are so smart that we can talk ourselves out of this supernatural. I got this little smarty guy back here at times that wants to say, yeah, that's just you. That's just gibberish. You're just making that up. When I listen to that, then I start to sink. Right? Just like Peter. So press through the intellectual bottleneck. Listen, Tongues will not be a language you understand. So don't worry about what it sounds like. And that's another thing people do. They start to begin to speak in tongues and they go, they're just listening so close to themselves and trying to analyze and scrutinize it. it. Defeats the whole purpose. The whole thing is to stop thinking about it. So my heart just opens up before God. We get tied up in knots over whether it's authentic or not right? Look, we can trust the Lord. If you come to him and ask him for something he wants to give you, you don't have to worry. I, I, I look, I know people say, well, how do you know the devil doesn't step in there and, and, you know, make you do something? Because I've come to the Lord and I trust him. So I'm not worried about that. And some people want to say, well, but is it, is it, are they real languages or just gibberish? And look, I understand. In Acts chapter 2, verse 8, it says that they were speaking in languages that the people there heard and understood. They were known languages. But in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, do you know what an angel's language is like? I don't. But they exist somehow. There's a language that is beyond anything I've ever heard. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, it talks about unknown languages. Listen, I have, in a minute, I'm going to pray in tongues. And when I do that, it's not for show. I'm not showboating here. I'm not, I, but some of you have never heard someone speak in tongues. That isn't some sort of screaming Mimi, stark raving mad person. And I want you to be at least have some sense of what I'm talking about. I know it's a little unusual, but I'm going to do that. When I do, you need to know this. I will not be thinking one bit about what it sounds like. Now, listen, I've had people, on three occasions, I had a, a, a um, 
Spanish-speaking person, that was their native language, Spanish-speaking person, come up to me after one time I was in a prayer group and I found myself praying in tongues. She says, Randy, did you know you were praying in Spanish? Look, I know the word taco and burrito, and that's about it, honestly. I don't know any Spanish. I was in Taiwan, where, again, praying for some people. It's a small group. I was praying for them. I found myself praying in the Spirit. And a Taiwanese, a native-born Taiwanese person came up to me afterwards. She said, Randy, do you know you were speaking in Mandarin Chinese? No. I, look, I know less Chinese than I know Spanish. <laughs> I had someone right here in a service, uh, in the early service one time, come up to me after it, uh, you know, we were praying and I was praying in the Spirit. And I, I, this sounds like I do this publicly way more than I do. Most of you didn't even know that. That's why you were so shocked when I said earlier in the service, I speak in tongues. It's not for show. But this guy heard me speaking in tongues. He said, Randy, did you realize you were speaking in Italian? I don't know Italian. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter one bit. I don't care if it's Hungarian. It doesn't matter. The point is, my heart is free to communicate with God without caring about what it sounds like or what language I'm using. And no language on earth has, can satisfy you know, that, that uh, need for me to communicate. None is better than another. And I don't even know, honestly, if the miracle that was happening was that I was speaking in Mandarin Chinese or that the person hearing me heard it in Chinese. I don't know which side of, was the miracle happening, and it doesn't matter. So don't get tied up in knots about that. I asked Chris if he'd come tell us a little bit about when uh, it was that he received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and to give us a little bit about the impact of all of that in his life. Yeah, so just give you guys a little context to understand like my whole experience. Uh, 14 years old, I went to youth group. I got saved there. Um, amazing, amazing experience. Changed the whole trajectory of my life. But then years after that, uh, just did my own thing, kind of fell off that path. And it wasn't until I was 18 years old where I recommitted my life to Christ, came back to church. The Lord accelerated my path as in, um, he gave me a, my calling, pastoral ministries, all these things. And so I started serving in my church. And so I was going on a mission trip to Australia, um, my first one. But before that, um, I had prayed because I heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, tongues, all that stuff. It's so really foreign to me, but I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm ready for this now. And uh, truth be told, um, I kind of had an experience like Randy where um, I prayed. I didn't stick out my tongue like he did. No, no judgment on my part. Um, but I had an experience where I was like, I felt honestly let down, discouraged. God, I put myself out there. I made myself available and nothing happened at all. And I was so discouraged by it. So I didn't really talk to anybody about it because I was embarrassed. So I just said to myself, you know, Lord, like, I guess I'm not ready for this or you don't think that I'm ready for this. So I guess I'll just wait until I'm ready for it. And a little side note, a lot of us already know that we're never fully going to be ready for what the Lord has us, has for us. That's always a step of faith. So Fast forward six months later, um, I'm going on a mission trip to Australia, and every single day before we go out to do ministry, we get in a circle, we read our Bibles, we pray, and so I'm in my corner praying all on my own, and just out of nowhere, I just sense the Holy Spirit, and I just start speaking in tongues. And honestly, it was such a natural, organic experience, 
I'm happy with you. I'm like, I'm, I'm speaking in tongues. <laughs> like, this is pretty crazy right now. And it was even crazier because when I'd seen people uh, speak in tongues or be baptized in the Holy Spirit, it was a very emotional experience. People were crying. And it wasn't like it wasn't emotional for me, but I just wasn't crying. It was just such a natural and organic thing for me. And it was such a personal experience that honestly no one knew on my group that that happened to me until I told them after the trip because it was such a personal and quiet experience between me and the Lord. And after that, I started to doubt it because I'm like, okay, is this, is this really me? Am I making this up? You know, I was laying like that intellectual side in me just try to um, discard like what the Lord um, did in my life that, that weekend. But I couldn't deny the fruit of that experience because months after that, see, I always read the word when I got saved, but it just didn't make sense to me. And not only was it making sense to me, I had a desire and uh, just something that wanted to actually read the word. I didn't just want to pray, but I wanted to pray for people. My prayer time just extended in that way. Basically, in all ways, I wanted to serve God in such a deeper way that I never had before. My capacity was limited, but the Holy Spirit took off that ceiling off my Christianity. And so how does that work in my life now? Um, man, I, I can't imagine doing my Christianity without the power and the person of the Holy Spirit, and namely with the gift of tongues. Um, tongues isn't a more important gift to me, but I, there isn't a day that I can remember that I've gone without speaking in my, in my heart language. And here's why for two reasons, and then I'll, I'll close up. One, it's one of the ways that I share intimacy with God. Um, I, I can relate to what Randy said, where it's almost like when I go my prayer time in the morning with the Lord, and it's like this blank heart. It's like, Lord, okay, I, I prayed this, I prayed that, and yet there's so much more that I want to say, but I don't know how to say it. And I just start speaking in tongues. And I, it, it, it's so powerful because I'm able to magnify, glorify, exalt the Lord in a way that my human intellect just simply can't. And second, it's helped me uh, to pray for people. I'm sure I'm not the only person in here that someone asks for prayer. I'm like, I want to pray, but I don't know how to pray. That's where the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and gives us wisdom and gives us discernment. So that was my experience. I wasn't pursuing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God pursued me, but I did choose to participate when he did give me that invitation. So I just want to encourage all of you. Some of you have that experience where you felt discouraged or you felt let down. That's not from the Lord. The gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is available to every single person. Amen. Thanks. So I'm going to ask you to stand now. In a few weeks, we'll be giving you an opportunity. We'll announce when and where for you to have people pray f over you, for you, if you want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit or, or the gift of tongues. But you do not have to wait. And we've, we've been talking about, you know, the faithfulness of our God to give these, uh, ha the, the, the fullness of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit to all who, who ask Him. But right now, before I let you go, I'm going to pray in tongues. And again, this is not to uh, draw attention to myself or to showboat in any way. I just want for you, if you never have had or heard someone speak in tongues, what it's like, just so you have that as, as part of your expectation. Okay? Okay. No rama la queda sisios, se sale le ruten, vai da sabe que te chula tai, reman tu fasal, 
libre su tu cusal ni kendo chande me bala barrote sa chikalon nai toma marale ta sa sele to gusal le toma barifai sushale barri kataso som nandolo rai me fiche beto sale karonto ma palasites lord we pray that you would cause each one of us each one of us who have come to know you as our Savior, to experience the kind of life with you that we read about in the book of Acts, do whatever you need to do to propel us forward into that kind of power-filled, spirit-filled relationship with you that changes not only our lives, but the world we live in. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This is recording number 11196 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Foursquare Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, January 17, 2016. This is the third message in a series titled, Empower the Spirit-Filled Life. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, The Power to Communicate, Part 1.